Is it random? Sure. Is it a little bit all over the place? Yeah, I just said that. You said it's random, you dum-dum. Does it talk about the emotions of the Hollandaise season? Well, it sure does, Jet. Thanks for asking. Is it going to make me feel better about this season that is so hard for me? Yes, I guarantee you that. And if you don't feel better, I will give you all your money back that you paid for this episode in 2019. If I eventually charge it for this episode, I'm not giving you your money back. This is purely for this exact moment when it's free. Because you see the joke is I'm not charging you, so I can't give you any money back. I want to make sure you understand there will be no money exchanged in this situation where I'm saying I'll give you your money back. But I will. And for that, I want to help you feel better about this season that used to bring us cheer and now brings us gear, jeer, and fear. This episode talks about Thanksgiving with the loss of my grandfather and how that was different. I know you're excited. I can't wait to listen to this on my way to work. And it talks about me emotions and me feelings and me meanness. So without further ado, because clearly I have nothing to say, I welcome you to the wonderful world of psychotherapy and the episode that is known as 56. I'm Jert Dernlap, and the show will start right now. So this is Christmas. What have you done? Not enough podcasts. So it's been a little while, and old Jetty Jetterson has been a busy little bee. We had a Thanksgiving, and I did a Thanksgiving episode. And you didn't hear it because it was sad, just so sad, that I didn't want you guys to have to put up with that. And I know I'm editorializing my own stuff, and that maybe that wasn't the point of the show, but here's what happens. I go into the editing process, and I just can't take it. (laughs) So, basically one day, and I hope this day is soon, When this show is edited by someone other than me, they can go through the archives and listen and then put up all the episodes with deep philosophical messages and somehow make it light enough. Or just do it without me and then I'm fine. But for me to have to edit it is reliving the sadness again and then trying to figure out how to make that have structure. So you won't be hearing that episode. But on that topic, strangely enough, I don't know if you remember the last episode. Of course you do. You listen to every single one of them. You've been sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for this episode. You're like, honey, I'm going to be home late tonight because I have to take the long way road home. Because, you know, again, this guy doesn't speak very well in this situation. Because I got to listen to episode 56 of Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap. And my favorite part about that story is when you describe the show to your wife, you describe it to her that way. I have to listen to Psychotherapy with Jet Dunlap. So she's not confused about those other shows called Psychotherapy with someone else. So I'll try and recap some of the shows that I've done that you're not going to listen to. Because uh, some of the content may have been worth listening to. I had a Thanksgiving. Because as a person who lives in America at this point in time. Although we've said, hey Columbus Day, go take a hike. Which I have no feeling about whatsoever. 
I might have cared when I was in school when I got the day off, but Columbus does nothing for me right now. But somehow or another, Thanksgiving has stayed around. Now, are there parallels? It's not my job to uh, point out those parallels. That's for another show. And there's plenty of them. Go find some clickbait on Facebook that's right around Thanksgiving, and then no one cares the rest of the year. Here's my point. We celebrate Thanksgiving. Guilty as charged. (laughs) But this particular Thanksgiving was special, and in all the wrong ways. This particular Thanksgiving was going to be the first holiday after the death of my grandfather, who, as you know, was very much a father to me and my greatest mentor. So the family, being my mom's side of the family, the nine brothers and sisters and all their little scamps, some of them 28 years old, some of them that are great-grandchildren, if you're looking from the perspective of my late grandfather and my grandmother, are very young, and I don't know their ages, but they are my cousin Claire's children, and they are like, I don't know, what are kids these days? How old are kids these days? Young. Under two? One of them's under two. The other one's like maybe three. Why do you care about this? Stop asking me these stupid questions. You don't need this preamble BS. So the tension was high. It wasn't very good. It was very kind of sad and just everyone had kind of a lamaze. No, that's a kind of salad dressing. Lamaze? No, that's the pregnancy thing again. Lamaze? Lamaze. La, 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 la <laughs> So, okay, they were they were kind of like in the back of their heads, and uh, you know, Lamos. Um, why do I why do I think of these words and then not able to say them? <laughs> oh well, this is definitely psychotherapy with Jen Dunlap. Jen Dunlap. Oh my God, this again! I promised myself I wouldn't do this. Anyway, they were you know sad. It was tough, and uh, I have very little in common with my family now, so that was a little rough for me to deal with. I am whatever age I am, no one knows, but uh, I'm at an age where the people around me who are my friends have kids, and some of them are older and some of them are younger. My God, yet be less specific, but with my family, they have kids in college or they have young kids, and that's all they talk about, and the only other thing to talk about is what a tough year it's been, so none of them really hang out with me. They don't include me in any of their reindeer games, so I have to lead Santa's sleigh tonight. And all the reindeer loved him, and that's me. So there's the parallel to me being Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in this situation. But it's true. I don't really get the kind of uh, inclusiveness that I used to because uh, my cousins are a lot older. Most of them are single, and if they're not single, they're single when they go up there. So they're not including me in their reindeer games, and then my uncles and aunts don't really have a lot in common with me. Also, I'm intense and crazy. And then Gina said, most of them probably listen to the show, and they feel like they have nothing to say to me or anything they need to know about me because they already know about it. And that's also fine with me. So that was a little weird, and I was depressed for a couple days after that. And what I said was, why don't I just go ahead and do a show and push that depressing, depressing. That's a clinical name. If you're not a radio psychotherapist, oh my God. If you're not a radio psychotherapist, then you wouldn't understand that. But that's that's depressing. That's a pill for depression, actually. Who, who was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, they just said that that is an actual thing. Anyway, so I was sad and depressed, and I went into a long rant about how when I was young I had a heart and I used to go to Disneyland and had season pass with my and had season pass with my little brother when we were 13 and we went all the time and Disneyland had a special place for me and I thought anything was possible and I thought if you wish upon a star makes no difference who you are anything your heart desires I think come to you 
or comes to you. So I believe in that. And I thought, Jet, all you have to do is believe and do the work. And I did every single day from when I was a teenager till I was 29 years old. And then the world beat the living shit out of me. And uh, pardon my language, but I think I get one of those per episode without having to put this as explicit language. But world became, but the world was very tough on me. Not the world became. And uh, I kept trying to like Disneyland. And then I asked my wife to marry me when I was 34 years old on my birthday, my 34th birthday at Club 33 on the balcony, that special spot that Disney organized the money for the park. And that is very exclusive. My mom got me in there somehow through a connection of one of her students' family members, which was unbelievable and awesome of her and a beautiful thing. But that same day, I got a call right before I asked my wife and surprised her to marry me from my doctor. And they thought that I had leukemia. So I didn't. uh, Just had some abnormal blood for a long time. Anyway, so that kind of put a damper on it. And that was just kind of the cherry on top of the trying to go to Disneyland and make myself happy. We had season passes together, Gina and I. And ever since I was a kid, even with my first girlfriend, when I would go to Disneyland, that was my time to dream bigger. So I would just go there and be like, one day I'm going to be, when I come back, I'm going to be, when we go here, we're going to stay at the California Grand. When we were watching California Adventure be built with my first girlfriend, I'm like, one day I'm going to this, one day I'm going to be that. And you do that long enough and you have enough hope and, you know, that gets beaten up and pulverized and stepped on and curb stomped enough and then you finally go well maybe I don't need to go to Disneyland anymore and I didn't because it was just too depressing to go back there and look at my life and decide that uh, things were not going the way I wanted them to and that I was having to bury the dreams of my childhood as a matter of fact I can't think of a better title for this episode than burying the dreams of your childhood happy Christmas from Jet Dunlap And all the clinically depressed folks out there. So anyway, I talked about that. But I gave you the brief version. Okay? And then I started at the end of the episode, as you know, to go, But you know, today is today. And it's okay. I was about to out myself. And uh, what the hey? And a bunch of rhymes. And it made everyone feel better. Who's never going to listen to it? So anyway, that was that episode. And, uh, you know, I have feelings about that, I guess. I keep feeling like once I have a purpose, once I'm doing these things, you know, oh, I finished my script, you know that, and I'm at like page 67 of the rewrite, and that's going to be done, and I've been very productive, you know, I'm in better shape than I've been in, Gina says, since ever, but I'm not sure about that. I say all that to say that even though it's been a really tough year, and it's hard for me during the holidays, like everyone else on earth who is not charmed, I'm still going forward, and I'm still being very productive, so that's good stuff, but that was one of the episodes... But, you know, once I get into my routine and I start doing the things I normally do, which is a routine, I get a little better. So it was about two days that I gave myself to feel really lousy. And uh, trust me, it wasn't like I was trying to. I mean, I tried all my little tricks in my basket to feel better. But I was still feeling uh, terrible. And uh, I turned it around, though. And then, for some reason, my family had my grandfather's birthday (laughs) at my grandmother's house now. She has it by herself. Uh, celebration even though he's dead and so I was invited by my aunt and Gina and I went and it was miserable and depressing and we really don't have anything to talk to the family about I had to move a bunch of stuff from that house that I'd forgotten I had stored there since 2002 so I had like a computer monitor that weighed more than my motorcycles used to good comparison Jack because they wouldn't understand if you said it was heavy 
Um, and when I was taking that computer monitor out the car, it hit the back of my wife's tail light in her car and, uh, and broke it. So it was a miserable day followed by some miserable weirdness. My brother had his brand new laptop there and, uh, someone, my grandmother spilled like brandy on it. So it was weird and bad. And then I was depressed for a couple more days after that, but then I got back into my routine. So let's get to the subject of what this is about, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Here it is. And I didn't know. You know I don't know, right? I have no idea. Until I do. And now I do. Is there a place for us weirdos to be able to interact and work in the world of the humans while maintaining mental sanity? And I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, I'll tell you my experience. I'm able to do it to a varying degree, and I'm able to publicly be what I need to be in situations where I know it's going to bring those kind of emotions to me. But what I do recommend to anyone who's involved in this kind of situation, if the depression that these situations bring you at the moment because you're going through something, you've gotten sober in whatever capacity, you've gone through a breakup, and you don't want to face the family you know, right after that's happened, there's going to be a time and a place where maybe you feel you have to go back and engage. And that makes sense. That's human. you got to do these things. You know, I don't know exactly why. Uh, I kind of subscribe to the idea that you can go ahead and be a hermit if that's your underlying feeling, as long as you actually derive pleasure from that. But I think you have to give yourself time. And whenever I feel I'm forcing myself into a situation to interact with the public, in this case with my family after this thing has happened and after our falling out last year, I just say, you know, for the most part, life is long, and at this moment, they're going through some stuff, and so am I, and it may be better for me just to remove myself, because honestly, no one's talking to me, no one's interacting with me, they're doing their own thing, and I don't know why that is, and I'm not sad about it, right? But removing myself from it, even though you'll get these calls from your family, be like, where are you, where are you? But then those same people who call you don't talk to you, it's like, I say, don't go, Okay. Because even though they'll cry and they'll whine, they'll be like, where were you? It's the same thing that happens when you lose a bunch of weight. And many of you have experienced this as humans. You start to lose a little weight and someone's like, oh, look, Jenny's losing weight. Good for you, Jenny. In this case, I guess I'm Jenny. Oh, look, Jenny's losing more weight. Oh, Jenny, you're too skinny. Oh, Jenny, this. And then behind their back, they're like, oh, Jenny's, I think she's anorexic. She's going too far. It's when you violate people's understanding of what they think of you. And that's not their fault. That's homeostasis. They believe you to occupy a certain place in their consciousness. And when you start to change that, they don't know how to gauge you. And this is even advice that Gina gives me all the time, or I guess kind of points out that I am this weirdo, right? Who's done so many different things and been so many different things and now <laughs> hosts a podcast and uh, writes. And that violates the understanding my family has of me. So they probably don't know how to approach me. So removing myself from that situation is fine. The people who really like me, the people who really know me, and the people who I've met over the last year, uh, who I've become friends with, they get that part of me. And that's not meaning that I'm, you know, Xing these people out of my life permanently. Definitely not the case. I look forward to the next chapter in this family, and I think it's going to be amazing, and I think I'm going to have more to do with it um, because I'm going to have to provide the center of the meeting place, which was my family's big house in Los Angeles, my grandparents' three-story house. I'm going to have to do that to change the environment because it's never going to be the same as it was for all of my aunts and uncles who grew up in that same house. 
and my cousins and myself who all got to grow up in that same house. You're not going to be able to go in there and not think about my grandparents. So if the environment changes, then that'll change. And there's very few things, and this is terrible, but it's true, that money can't solve when it comes to geography. Okay? So you're emotionally connected to this thing that has existed forever. And everyone comes to the same house every year, and it's so special. And then the people who were the center of that house are dead. Right? Now, my grandmother's still very much alive. But my point is that whole nostalgic, warm center like Disneyland that you walk into is now a reminder of the fact that recently my grandfather died there. Well, if you have another house in another area where those same people are forced to have a new relationship with the holidays, they get to enjoy each other on each other's terms. So here's my uncle, here's my aunt, here's my cousins. But it's a new environment. So we still have all the same old stories and the same nostalgia and the same shared experience, but it's not in a place that reminds us of the people who've passed. And I'm a firm believer in that because remember, I left an apartment, sold almost all my stuff, moved into a tiny home. Now it's been over four years. And that did shift my consciousness, you know? And so I know that this works. Now that doesn't mean that money solves everything, but in this case, it does solve a geographical nostalgic thing. And that's nuts and bolts, right? But what I was talking about at the beginning of the statement was how when you change yourself, that confuses people. That's okay, right? Because it's better to confuse people than to stay in a place that makes you unhappy or is not aligned with your trajectory. I often find myself falling into a spot of, Jet, has it really taken you this long to figure yourself out? I was working on a TV show this week and I'm talking to this 29-year-old kid and maybe we're the same age. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have called him a kid, but maybe his name was Kid. So I'm talking to him and I'm thinking, man, what am I doing? And isn't it amazing that we think these cliche, stupid things? And I want to compare myself to a million other people and I want to say, well, even though I'm doing all this great stuff, that doesn't mean anything. I'm sad. I wanted to be this 10 years ago. And I don't get that. And I have to just kind of say to myself, or not kind of, I have to say to myself, you don't get that. And that's how it is. And that's just the way it is. And there's nothing you can do about that. So move forward and you'll be okay. And for me, one of the biggest coping mechanisms in that world is working out like crazy. And one of the reasons that I have a better body than I've had in a long time is because I've taken that effort and put it into that. And I put it into writing. I think that if I don't come to terms on a very fundamental level with this idea that I could rewrite my past, I'm going to keep falling into the same habits. Now, remember, as you hear this, this shows that I'm aware of it. As I speak it to you, it shows you that I understand that it's an issue. And if this show teaches us anything, it's that in this case, I have to take this in the steps that I have to take it. I have to go, okay, well, this is what it is, and I must react in the way that I know will actually work. Although I do fall victim to wanting to feel bad because I get that nostalgic kind of adrenaline spike from feeling bad and I want to live in that. Now, on a conscious level, I sure don't. I hate feeling bad. I hate feeling depressed. (laughs) Hating depression. That's tough. But the more I study this subject, obviously, chemically, I'm used to it. My body says, When you have this stimuli, you produce this chemical, and this chemical is what you always produce, and then you react to that chemical, and that chemical gives you a spike, and you like that. 
like a drug addict, like I said before. And so my body keeps reducing that chemical. And so what I'm doing is taking baby steps to reverse that feeling or, you know, stay that feeling, especially during the holidays. But then I also have to fall into the habits that I know that will keep me from falling into that hole of despair. And that works too. And it should work for all of us. You know, there's going to be some activity that you don't hate or like a lot that will bring you to a place where you feel better. And then the other thing that will kill me is a comparison. I look at my friends who have young kids and they're having this amazing holiday. And, you know, this Hallmark BS stuff that's just not for some of us. And uh, that bums me out. I went to a friend's birthday recently and every single person that was there I'd gone to high school with. You know, obviously not their spouses, but for the most part. And they all have kids and they're talking about the holiday with their kids and they're all very festive. They're drinking and having a merry old time. And maybe I'm not, but I forced myself to go down there because I have a lot of respect for my friend. And that is tough. Now, it's not that everything that they're doing is sunshine and roses. I mean, that's what it looks like on the surface because I'm comparing it to <laughs> I know my experience very well and I know their experience very poorly. All I have for reference is like social media and then what they're telling me. Everyone has their own personal issues. But for me, then I go, what do I have? I'm about the same as I was when I graduated from high school. Where's my evolution? You know, I'm going to the same things. I'm interacting with the same kind of situations. Now, I've changed my habits, but there hasn't been that monumentous change in finance or career that gives me the chapter switch that I've really desired, right? Now, even thinking that that's not there yet is... A doomed thing because I'm putting out into the universe telling God that I want more of the same so I understand even that is flawed thinking but it's easy to fall into those habits and I need to rein that in I need to focus I need to get myself centered I need to control all of this or I'm doomed to kind of be in a poor me state which once I start is hard to reverse and you're thinking to yourself, Jet, this is what we've waited for. This is what we've waited for. This miserable episode. Where's the funny, you donkey brain SOB? Where's the, uh, where's the good cheer? Where's the warm feelings? Well, for that, go listen to another podcast right now. Because this is as happy as I can get for you. <laughs> you're welcome. No, you know, I, I think I know that, uh, a lot of people have a trying time this holiday season. And a lot of people, a lot worse than me. Someone who recently became single or is in a far worse situation. And it's tough. And for those of you out there, I just say find those habits. I know that universally exercise helps because it gets rid of those energy units that are fighting against your brain and emotion. So there's that. But if you play an instrument, I'm not going to name that thing you know is cathartic for you. But do that and do it a lot because uh, you have to take care of yourself. And mental health is very fragile during this season. And if you have to do what is true for you, even if it is not true for the people around you, do it. And have absolutely no fear in doing it and apologize to no one. I mean, you can apologize, but... In your secret heart, don't feel bad about it. You need to be true to yourself during this time. And that's not a cliche, that's real. Because you need to be whole. And your mental sanity and mental comfort and mental ease is far more valuable 
than, you know, going to that same stupid thing you've gone to forever or doing that obligatory event that you know is just going to bum you out. Don't do it. You're important to you and your existence and your sanity is important to you, your family and more people than you could ever know. So making sure that you take care of yourself, just like in that old analogy of when, you know, they're giving you that demonstration on the airplane and they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, even if that means putting it on before your five-year-old kid gets it, because if you're passed out, you're no good to anyone. Well, it's the same thing with this. If you're miserable and you don't take care of you, you are infecting the rest of the world with your bad emotion. But if you take care of you and skip that thing because you know that's what you need to do and you're better off for it, then when you interact with all those people or anyone else, you are a positive influence and you're helping them with their life. And that is far more important. So with that, have yourself... Ooh, Merry Little Christmas. From me to you, this is Psychotherapy wishing you a Merry Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Wait, what? From me to you, there's no way it was a Christmas. This is Psychotherapy. <laughs> I am clearly out of words. May the God of your choosing bless you. Until next time, thank you for listening.